everybody knows when you go to the show you can't take the kids along. You've got to read the paper and know the code of GPG and RNX, and you got to know what the movie's about before you even go. Tex Ritter's gone and Disney's dead and the screen is filled with sex. Whatever happened to Randolph Scott riding the trail alone? Whatever happened to Gene and Tex and Roy and Rex the Durango kid? Oh, whatever happened to Randolph Scott, his horse plain as could be? Whatever happened to Randolph Scott, this happened to the best of me. Everybody's trying to make a comment about our doubts and fears. True Grit's the only movie I've really understood in years. You've got to take your analyst along to see if it's fit to see. Whatever happened to Randolph Scott has happened to the industry. Whatever happened to Johnny Mac Brown and Alan Rocky Lane? Whatever happened to Lash LaRue, I'd love to see them again. Whatever happened to Smiley Burnett, Tim Hope, and Gene Autry? Whatever happened to all of these has happened to the best of me. Whatever happened to Randolph Scott has happened to the industry. Hey, welcome to Purgatory. Welcome to Purgatory. But you know, the nice thing about Purgatory is it's not hell. Purgatory isn't hell. You know, you hear so much about the war between heaven and hell. Heaven and hell are always fighting these wars. And people tend to think of purgatory as the recruitment base for either heaven or hell. Which side are you going to join? What are you going to do when purgatory decides to fight on its own? What are you going to do when purgatory decides, you know, I'm not getting involved on the side of heaven or hell. I mean, I would personally form an alliance with heaven. But purgatory can also stand on its own two feet. I know all about it. And speaking of war, speaking of the war between heaven and hell, well, let me just say too, the way that hell tries to recruit people from purgatory is they say, hey, aren't you a little bit bored? You don't feel very good? You're up there, you're up there in purgatory and you're not feeling very good yeah it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel good to be in purgatory yeah and it's really boring though isn't it you know what's really interesting hell come to hell it's it, i can guarantee you i'm not lying I, I i promise i'll bet the devil's toenail i'll promise you i'll swear on the devil's toenails I'm inventing phrases here. Give me a break. I swear on the devil's toenails that if you come to hell, it's going to be really interesting, way more interesting than purgatory. Okay. That's how hell recruits you. They recruit you not by being like, do you want to be evil and bad? Hey, don't you want to be one of the bad guys because we look so cool? No, hell recruits you by saying, aren't you kind of bored in purgatory? Hell doesn't recruit from heaven. And heaven doesn't recruit from hell. They recruit from purgatory, and they each have a, a pretty good pitch. And, I mean, hell has a really good pitch. But yeah, no, I, I kind of feel like I'm, it's all-out warfare right now. 
destroying all the empty spaces. I've just kind of accepted that that's my mindset at the moment, which is why there's another Every Night's a School Night. And we haven't even gotten to the summer episode, what's become a tradition the last couple of years. I think this will be the third one, the last couple of Julys. I've gotten in the tradition. I've created a new tradition. Traditions can come out of nowhere if you just keep doing something over and over again. But uh, kind of a, a summer tradition of just kind of having a random episode of random music, not 50s, 60s music. It ends up being an assortment of whatever I feel like playing at the time, some of which I look back on and think, why the heck did I play that? Why did I impulsively play that? But that's gonna that's that's in the hopper. It's in the hopper, a summer episode with other music, other styles of music. But this episode here, this one you're listening to, is just another piece in the all-out war, destroying empty spaces, throwing everything out there. Pure exhaust. No intake, only outtake. What other stupid sayings can I create right now? So what you just heard was the Statlers. Whatever happened to Randolph Scott? And that fits very close with the most recent Night School episode, Inner Politic, if you haven't heard it and you want a reference. Because what I was talking about there is the conservative tendency to think that the time in which you came of age is sort of the ultimate, that things were best then. Whether it's what was going on in the culture, whether it was the politics, the, the way people lived, their values... There's this, te- there's this tendency to use the way the world was when you came of age as the standard, the conservative mind, even beyond politics, beyond all the connotations that that word has, because I am a naturally conservative thinker, as I talked about in that episode and probably talk about too much. But whatever happened to Randolph Scott, it's, it's, a guy, it's, it's the Statler brothers, and that's what they're saying, like whatever happened to the movie characters, it, it reminds me a lot of the early Sopranos episodes where there's the first time or one of the first times that Tony Soprano goes to Dr. Melfi's office and he's saying, whatever happened to Gary Cooper? Whatever happened to the strong silent type? Everybody now, they got to talk about their emotions. I feel like I'm getting that quote almost perfect. I've seen it so many times, but you know, Tony's a, you know, a, a, a naturally conservative thinker. He likes, he, he thinks things were better in decades past. And he really doesn't like the fact that characters in movies and stories and just the the image of masculinity needs to include all of these, all of this emotional analysis, what I would now call kind of therapy talk, which is ironic because Tony Soprano is himself in therapy trying to talk about his emotions or maybe trying not to talk about his emotions. But it's funny because that, that Tony Soprano's quote is exactly that song. Whatever happened to Randolph Scott? You know, he's talking about Gene Autry and text. Like, what happened to watching movies about lonesome cowboys on the trail? That's what the Statler brothers are asking. But it, that song is so far beyond just that little premise. It's so far beyond just saying, hey, remember when things were better? Because there's that lyric you heard at the beginning. The critter's gone and Disney's dead and the screen is filled with sex. When I first heard that, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe they said that. Not because it's inappropriate, but just because it's so perfect. And all of the criticisms they have of Hollywood in that, they apply as much today, which fits perfectly with the inner politic night school episode, because the whole point of that was 
there is a relativity when it comes to conservatism. And the fact that this sort of conservative outlook back then, when the Statler brothers recorded that, applied just as much then as it does now. Except people now are saying, like, whatever happened to Bruce Willis and Die Hard? You know, people now are talking about things that the Statler brothers would have thought were already too far gone. That's the relativity of that conservative tendency is that the things that you think are the baseline, like the movies that you grew up with are actually not what, you know, people would have, you know, my point being like you grew up with action movies, you grew up with this or that, but somebody who's like 50 years older than you might be like, those movies suck and are too wussy and this and that. Like you need to go back and watch just old Western movies. Ever heard of John Wayne? Ever heard of John Wayne? So it's just this relativity. Uh, and I agree with a lot of it. And like those lyrics, you know, talking about like just Hollywood. I feel like it's a perfect criticism of Hollywood. Disney's dead. And the screen is filled with sex. Those are the kind of lyrics I wish I could write and deliver with conviction. And then that other song where it's like, True Grit's the only movie I've really understood in years. And there's a line where he says, you've got to take your analyst along to see if it's fit to see. That's also very, uh, very current. It really does feel like people have to check in. I assume by analyst, he means therapist in today's language. I think he's talking about something like a therapist. I can't remember exactly what the word analyst was used to refer to, but I think it was similar. Your analyst. You've got to take your analyst along to the movies to see if it's fit to see. Man, they didn't know how right they were. I feel like people probably do check in with their therapist to ask if they think it would be okay to go see a movie. Got to get permission from my analyst. Got to get permission from my, uh, my psychologist, my psychiatrist before I see that movie. But anyway, we're actually going to continue on with more Statler Brothers. Little did you know that you walked right into a block, an opening block, which is rare here. And it's a Statler Brothers block. So that was Whatever Happened to Randolph Scott. It's a great song, applies down the board then as much as it does today. And we're going to play another song called Flowers on the Wall, followed by an uplifting tune called Thank You World. But all that thought you're giving me is conscience, I guess If I were walking in your shoes, I wouldn't worry enough Are you and your friends are worried about me, I'm having lots of fun Counting flowers on the wall, that don't bother me at all Playing solitaire till dawn with the deck of Last night I dressed in tails, pretended I was on the tail. As long as I can dream, it's hard to slow the swinger down. So please don't give a thought to me, I'm really doing fine. You can always find me here and having quite a time. Counting flowers on the wall, that don't bother me at all. Playing solitaire till dawn with the deck of 51. 
cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo. Now don't tell me I've nothing to do. It's good to see you. I must go. I know I look a fright. Anyway, my eyes are not accustomed to this light. And my shoes are not accustomed to this hard concrete. So I must go back to my room and make my day complete. Counting flowers on the wall, that don't bother me at all. Playing solitaire till dawn with the deck of 51. Smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo. Now don't tell me I've nothing to do. Don't tell me I've nothing to do. They were considered divine. And the difference between now and then is that the, the time for charismatic leaders is over. Mm -hmm. It's just not trustworthy anymore. They don't exist. And each of us has to step up to the plate of our own authority by however we are given through either rites of passage, initiations, in response to a calling. I want to thank you, world, me belong. I'm just one fourth of one small group that sings your songs. I know that there are others who have served in bigger ways. All I can do is sing your music all my days. It makes me grateful just to know, to know that I can be unique and fill a spot beside the other three. Without a place here in this world, I know that I'd be lost. Thank you, world, for letting me contribute to the cause. I may not ever stand like Stonewall Jackson stood, but standing on that stage to me is just as good. And I may never be a heavy or a great but you've given me the strength, the strength to pull my way. Oh, for the part I sing is truly part of me. And it does its part to lock the other parts in key. And it does its part to pull, pull that sweet applause. A thank you world for letting me contribute to the cause. A place that I call mine Though I've stepped out of it And I've gotten out of line Sometimes I sing your music Slightly out of key And I know I make it harder For the other three oh, I've always done my part The very best I could And it's done with other guys It makes me grateful just to 
just to know, to know that I can be unique and fill a spot beside the other three. Without a place here in this world, I know that I'd be lost. Thank you, world, for letting me contribute to the cause. Without a place here in this world, I know that I'd be lost. Thank you, world, for letting me contribute to the cause. Thank you, world, for letting me contribute to the cause. Thank you, world, for letting me contribute to the cause. Very humble song there, if you listen to the lyrics. One of those Statlers, one of those Statler brothers was saying how he makes mistakes and he probably makes their job harder. He probably makes his brother's job harder because he's not perfect. He's not perfect, so he, he makes his brother's job harder in the band. But yeah, very humble song, but powerful and a good message that I genuinely agree with. I mean, that's where I come from these days. It's not where I naturally come from. But it's become natural over time, the more I do think that way, where just participating in the world, just having the opportunity to participate in the world, to add my little twist, but also just to go along with the motions of the world, too. I mean, that's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible, too. And so I'm feeling like we're not totally in purgatory right now, but we might enter it again. We might get back there. We might be getting back there right now. We're going to play a song by the Vernals, but just as a, a last note on the Statler brothers who you just heard there, you notice that all their songs, at least those three songs, they have kind of a similar beat. And I was only recently introduced to them. I never would have checked them out on their own, but a friend of mine was doing some sort of record swap with a record dealer, and so he gave her a bunch of records in as a potential trade for her to check out, and she can decide like what to what to keep, what not to. But I was over at her place and she was playing the Statler Brothers record and I had never listened. I was delighted. I expected nothing because she's an oldies fan, but we don't necessarily have 100% the same taste. Like she hasn't necessarily like gone on, gone to the pathological depths that I have with this stuff, but she's a fan of just the general time period. But yeah, I was, I was just very surprised. But they, after having listened to them more after hearing them recently, a lot of their music is like the exact same beat, the exact same format. I mean, they kind of remind me, it's a certain sound, and I haven't exactly pinpointed exactly how you describe that sound. Like there's a country twang to it, and it's obviously, you know, sort of in the, the pop style of that era. But there, there's a very specific sort of sub-genre or style that they do. And Bobby Russell is another artist from that era who did it. I've played him on here before. I played the song Better Homes and Gardens, where they kind of have this, they talk about practical things, and it's kind of funny, but there's something compelling about it, the way they describe practical things, like describing like what happened to the, the movies of old, whatever happened to Randolph Scott. Um. But yeah, nonetheless, I'm a fan. And it's always funny when a group like kind of uses the same beat for every song. It makes me think of people who are really into Discharge and all of those punk bands who use that same beat. I'm not into that stuff. I'm not into punk. But I, I mean, I have an appreciation for what it's trying to do. 
But I always like it when there's a band or a style of music and they're like, no, we just play this one beat. Everything has the same exact rhythm. Everything kind of defaults down to the same sound. And so far, that's been my experience with the Statler Brothers. And I like it because variation happens within that. Even though every song kind of has the same rhythm and feel to it, you know, different. there's differences, of course. They're not just doing the same song over and over again. And I guess that's the point, is that even though they have this style they stick to, interesting and good things emerge in the different songs that make them stand out. Thank you, world. But yeah, we're going to move on and play the Vernals here with a very memorable song called Why Can't You Be True? Why Can't You Be True? It's an honest, good question. It's a truthful question. It's a true question. Why can't you be true? But we're just going to get into it right here. Vernal's. Let's see if we have any answers when this song is over. I don't think anybody's able to answer that question. Why can't you be true? Because the problem is everybody's true. 
Everybody is true. And if you go out into the world with an attitude that everybody is true, everybody is telling the truth, even though that itself, you know, you'll end up finding out that people lie. You'll end up finding out that people are dishonest. There's actually a lot of dishonesty. But if you have confidence and you don't, you don't overinvest too early in a situation or in a person, people eventually out themselves. You don't typically need to be the person who's going out there saying, like, they're a liar. Oh, I don't trust people. Yeah, I don't trust people. People are full of it. Because the thing is, is that bullshit eventually cancels itself out. Like when you have political groups who are like, we're right and they're wrong, and the other one's saying the same thing, the bullshit cancels itself out. And the the truth just like falls like stardust. Bullshit usually reveals itself. Bullshitters usually reveal themselves. And you don't actually lose that much, especially when you trust your intuition. You know, that's where your intuition kicks in. Because, you know, we spend so much energy trying to figure out what's true and what's not, who's right and who's wrong. It's not just a matter of, like, trying to interpret whether information that we receive is true or not. It's also the fact that we're getting the information from somebody or some institution, and so it's not even just about the information, it's about the messenger, and it's about who they're getting it from, and what their agenda is, and you spend so much time trying to decide, so much energy and time, trying to figure out, like, who to trust and who not to. Meanwhile, you probably don't spend enough time trusting yourself. You probably don't spend enough time giving yourself reasons to trust yourself. And discipline, of course, reinforces your trust in yourself, which is one of the big reasons to develop a discipline, whatever it is. Whatever image you have in your mind of discipline isn't even necessarily that. It's not necessarily physical discipline. It's not necessarily spiritual discipline, mental discipline. You know, but having discipline will build trust in yourself. You build trust in yourself through discipline And that actually allows you to be a more trusting person when you go out in the world because you know only so much can get past your armor. And you typically have to let it. You kind of have to make yourself vulnerable if you come from that point of view. And then you have the, the benefit of the fact that bullshit attracts other bullshit and it cancels itself out if you pay attention. So something to keep in mind. And that plays out at every level, too. So maybe I do have some answers. Why can't you be true? The problem is, maybe the Vernals aren't being true to themselves. If they're true to themselves, maybe they'd find more truth in other people. But who knows? Who knows what's going on with the Vernals? I don't. And we're going to move on here to Benny Martin. Good old Benny Martin. And this is going to be a dose of pure country with a great country title, which is Dime's Worth of Dreams. A dime's worth of dreams. How many dreams will a dime get you? This is a good song. This would be a good drinking song. If I still drank, I would drink to this song. This would have been like just the perfect song to, to get a buzz on listening to. It's slow. It gives you a lot of space to think. And, of course, a song called A Dime's Worth of Dreams. 
you can be guaranteed this is a thinking song as well as a drinking song.
Yeah, Benny Martin there from 1960 was followed up by the Mellow Deers from 1961. So we went 1960 to 1961. We jumped a whole year. We jumped a whole year between those songs. Uh, but Mellow Deers, The Letter. The song was just called The Letter. And usually when letters get brought up in this kind of music, it's not good. Usually means a breakup letter. Or as kids today call it, as kids today call it, they call it a, a, a breakup text. They call it a breakup text and they hate it. They say that it's, it's a, a very weak-willed. It's very weak-willed and shallow. It's shallow, shallow. Melodiers shallow. It's very shallow to break up via text or letter. But by today's standards, a breakup letter sounds grand. That sounds like true love. Like if you're writing somebody a breakup letter in 2021, maybe you should reconsider. If you think that person is worth a letter in 2021, and you have the penmanship too, if you're concerned, like I'll put it this way if you're writing somebody a breakup letter and you're writing it by hand, and you are worried about how your penmanship looks, or even worried about what you're saying. Maybe you should reconsider it. Maybe you should be like, you know what? If this person is worth my penmanship, if they are worth a physical permanent letter, maybe I should just marry them. Marry them. Maybe. Maybe you should just marry me. Oh, you took the time to write me a breakup letter. Well, I, the vibe I'm getting is we should just get married, you know? I mean, there's something to be said for that. But the name of that band, the Mellow Deers, and it's not Mellow Deers, like a calm deer. Oh, that deer out there is very mellow. M-E-L-L-O-D-E-E-R-S. One word. No W in there. I mean, they're obviously saying, like, we're the Melodiers, like Melody Ears. We're good at melodies. We're the Melody Boys. Turns out calling yourself the Melody Boys didn't sound as good to them as the Melodiers. But it's a little weird because, you know, Melody is spelled with one L, and they spelled Melodiers with two Ls. A weird name in general, and I, I'm always attracted to the weird names. Not necessarily even good names, just the names where you thought, like, did you actually think that that was going to be a catchy and good name for your aspiring pop group? It doesn't really make a difference when you sound like that. Doesn't really make a, a difference what you call yourself when you sound like that song, The Letter. We're going to play a song here by a woman. We're going to bring a woman on the show. Oh, God, they're bringing a woman on. There's always problems. As soon as you bring a woman into things, there's always problems. The men start fighting with each other. It's a good thing half these people are dead, and almost all of them are elderly. Otherwise, we might have some drama bringing a girl in. And this girl, you know, last week, I think it was, or whenever the last, one of the last episodes, I played a song by somebody just called Amelia. Just Amelia. No first, or that's a first name. No last name. Although, to be honest, I don't even know if it's a first name or a last name. If somebody just has one name, you don't really know where it fits. Could be a middle name. Middle names are kind of like purgatory, actually. I feel like your middle name is in this sort of purgatory. And I've never completely understood 
the decision to go by your middle name. Or when your parents name you something, but they immediately start calling you by your middle name, and that's what you go by your whole life. I had a friend with two middle names, and he went by one of the middle names. I never understood why they chose that specific middle name. He had two middle names and a first name, never once went by his first name as long as I knew him, which was going back to childhood. And he never went by one of his middle names. He, only, he went by one, it was just the one name that he used. But I never understood the logic or how that came about. But yeah, I feel like in general, middle names exist in this kind of purgatory. Like the most you see of them is usually an initial but they matter to us. We also make a big deal. Like girls love learning your middle name. It's like part of the courtship process. Is like when you meet somebody, when you have a significant other, one of the big one of the rituals is the middle name talk. What's your middle name? What is your middle name? Any I didn't know your middle name was uh, Julian. Cuz that kid I'm talking about, the kid who had three names, his name was Brendan Andre Julian, and his family was from Ireland. Like, two of those are names that you typically only see on African Americans these days, Andre and Julian. Of course, you don't, it's not limited to that, but still, I watch a lot of football, you know, and it's like, I feel like there's a lot of Andres and a lot of Julians. You don't think of a kid who's Irish-Canadian, because that's what this kid was. He was Irish-Canadian, and his full name, his, his first name and two middle names were Brendan Andre Julian, and he went by Andre his entire life. Never completely understood it. Never understood why his his very quiet, nice, humble Irish parents who I met on a few occasions, I never completely understood why they named him that. Brendan Andre Julian. I feel weird saying his name. Uh, he ended up like going to prison, definitely out of all the friends I grew up with, the most troubled. So it probably works in his favor. I think he's actually living in Canada now. He's been in so much legal trouble. He's been in and out of prison as as long as he's been a teenager. He was like the only one of my friends who ended up go, having to go to juvenile detention like for a long stay, not just overnight. He went to some sort of juvie facility for a long stay for like a, I don't know what. I'm not going to guess, probably a burglary. I think he did a breaking and entering at some break and enter at some point. But yeah, it's actually to his benefit that he has three names because he's a guy who probably needs some aliases, probably needs as much confusion in the system as possible given his criminal history. But anyway, we're going to play a song here by simply Elaine. Just like last time we played Amelia, this is just Elaine. Elaine, I call her Elaine the Enigma. I call her Elaine the Enigma. I call her Elaine, Elaine the Enigma. Elaine the Enigma. That's kind of enigmatic, though. When somebody just goes by their first name, it's quite enigmatic. And so this is going to be Elaine with a song called Inside of Me. Yeah, nobody could ever make a joke about that. Nobody could ever make a joke about a woman singing a song called Inside of Me. And in today's world, it would mean something else entirely. In today's world, it wouldn't even be something that you could make a clever joke about because a song called Inside of Me by a modern R&B or pop artist 
would probably be something dirty today. It would probably be explicit. Nothing would be left to the imagination. So if anything was meant by this, Elaine, if Elaine meant anything by this, it's buried. But you know what? There's a whole lot going on inside of you, and you shouldn't have such a dirty mind. You should be able to listen to a song by a woman called Inside of Me without immediately going there. But you can see how corrupt my mind is. I don't even think I'm the most lecherous person. I'm not even a person who goes around in the world constantly thinking of, like, sex puns. Which, if you do that, you know, sure, that stuff's funny. But it's like, do you really want to be the person who goes around town telling people sex puns? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. This sounds like this. Oh, doesn't that remind you of sex? It's like my bumper sticker idea. This is my million-dollar idea that I've never capitalized on, and I know I've shared it before, but I'm so proud of it that I have to share it which is I want to make a bumper sticker that just says thought about sex today and not in a propositional way. I mean, I don't want to explain it. I feel like it speaks for itself, but I don't mean it in a propositional way. Like you thought about sex with me today. Hey, you thought about sex with me today. You thought about sex with me today. I don't mean it like that. I just mean, have you, has it crossed your mind? And it's when I came up with it, it was it was like 15 years ago. And I thought, you know, it's kind of like a, a dark thought. It's kind of like reminding you of your preoccupation, your animal nature. I don't know. It sounds stupid to explain it. I think I like it just speaking for itself. Thought about sex today? So anyway, we're going to go on. And, and too, what's funny is a couple of my friends have told that joke to their significant others who are women, and they've never gotten a good response. Like, not that they've gotten a bad response, but just that it doesn't seem to humor them. They don't seem to find the humor in, in that bumper sticker for whatever reason. I told a girl that too. When I first came up with it, there was this girl that I was friends with. I always had a huge crush on her actually. And things never really went anywhere with an asterisk on that really. Uh, but I told her that joke too. And again, it didn't phase her. So women don't tend to like that idea. Women don't really like my bumper sticker ideas. If this one example is any is any indication. But here is Elaine, simply Elaine, with the song Thought About Sex Today. Oh, excuse me, no, it's called Inside of Me. Same thing. Inside of me
So, uh, it's your birthday. It's, your birthday's coming up, and we got to plan your party. Who do you want to invite? Who do you want to put on the list of people to invite to your party? Elaine. Elaine. Oh, Elaine? Well, maybe, you know, Elaine might be busy that day. Elaine might be busy on the day that we have your birthday party, so maybe you should add more people. Maybe you should include more people on your, your invitee list. So who are some other names? Let's, let's, let's write down some other names of people to invite. Uh, Elaine. Elaine. I'm sorry, Elaine. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was Elaine. The great Elaine. And what was interesting about that song is it, there were some different things going on in it that otherwise wouldn't or shouldn't fit together, but they managed to fit together perfectly. Like there are those completely austere moments, like the way it starts. And then it goes into that kind of plodding bass line at times where it's like, dum, 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 dum. you know, it's like something you wouldn't expect to go well with a song that then like stops into these slower, more austere parts. But it actually all worked together. They created an environment where everything you heard made sense. Elaine's environment, because it turns out, you know, inside of her, there's an environment inside of Elaine, and she was able to manifest it outside of herself in the form of that song. I had to laugh at those background vocals near the beginning and just throughout it at times where it's like, Elaine. It's always funny to actually pay attention to, especially the bass of your vocals. And you find it especially in doo-wop, and that song wasn't doo-wop, but really any popular music from that era, any music that was going for any kind of popular sound. You know, not that, that obviously that wasn't popular, it wasn't a hit, but it's popular music, the style that's popular. But sometimes if you actually listen to the bass voices, or really any of the voices going on in the background, you're like, this is absurd, this is absurd. And when it's a, a woman singing... And you have these guys in the background basically just being like, you know, it's, it's always funny to me. But yet this music manages to stay meaningful. I caught the bug. You know, at some point in my life, my brain got infected. It's like toxoplasmosis. But instead of it making me love cats, which I do, I do have toxoplasmosis. But instead of that, it's like it just, you never really get sick of this stuff. Even after all these years, long before this show's been around, been a fan of this music a long time, and I, I still somehow don't get, I never get permanently sick. I do get sick of listening to this music sometimes. I'm not at a point in my life where I just want to sit around listening to 50s and 60s music all the time, but I do always come back to it. It is inside of me, much like whatever that was Elaine was describing is inside of her we're going to carry on here with a, a two, uh, not a block, but a two song back and forth here by Ray Smith. And Ray Smith was well known. He's a well known rockabilly artist who had some great songs. Ray Smith. And he ended up committing suicide years later. I know in some of the early school night episodes, I highlighted whenever somebody died in some sort of tragic way, whether it was through alcoholism or suicide or just any kind of strange and unnatural death. But Ray Smith here, you know, as a popular artist, he, he ended up killing himself in the late 1970s. 
So quite a few years after his peak popularity. And beyond that, I don't know his story. I don't know how he did it. And maybe it's inappropriate, but I always want to know. I always want to know how somebody, the method somebody chooses. Because it says so much about them. It says so much about their state of mind. And sometimes it's awkward because, you know, I've had people tell me about like an acquaintance they knew who killed themselves. And like my first question, beyond being like, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, my first question is just like, how did they do it just out of curiosity? And I understand that's inappropriate. And I wouldn't just ask that of anybody. But I, I, I don't I don't have any shame in it either. I don't think there's anything wrong from wanting to know. And maybe I should try to find out about Ray Smith here. Maybe I should ask somebody how he did it. It's sad. But I don't know. There's something, too, about it like that makes somebody's story more compelling. Ray Smith here. I don't know. His music's compelling on its own. He didn't have to do what he did to make his music compelling. Ray Smith. And these two songs are Rebound. A romantic rebound. That's a saying that's been around a long time. You know, it's a saying that people still use. I tend to think of it as a modern saying. I don't tend to think of it going back to the 1950s. You're just a rebound. Oh, you think that Brad likes you? You think that Brad likes you? You're just a rebound. Brad's not over his ex-girlfriend, and you're just a rebound to Brad. Usually when people say that you're just a rebound, you know, it's either... Somebody's trying to manipulate you, I feel like. Somebody's trying to get in your business. It's nobody else's business if you're a rebound or not, or if you're seeking a rebound. I don't think I've ever had a rebound. Maybe I have, and I haven't known it. I'm not a rebound kind of guy. I like to space things out, sometimes forever, (laughs) based on my current situation. But anyway, Ray Smith with rebound... And then an absolute stunner after that. I guess I better move along. Keep moving along, something like that. Sometimes I have to trust my notes that I wrote the name of the song correctly. So it's, I guess I better move along or keep moving along. I don't know. I guess I better move along. Which itself is a good statement for somebody who killed himself. Killing yourself is communicating to everybody. I guess I better move along. How dare you? How dare you make light of suicide? I'm not making light. As in mocking suicide. I am making light of it. Because it's such a dark thing. That if you can manage to make light of suicide without being cruel to somebody. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Make light of the things you can. Because so many things will dwell in darkness and you can't do anything about it. There's tons of things out there in this world that dwell in a permanent darkness. And no amount of light will brighten them up so if you can shine a little bit of light on something do it just do it in the right time and place ray smith rebound and i guess i better keep moving along look out baby i'm after you you've done something to me that you ought not to do you played me up and now you've made them blue and i'm lonely yeah i guess i'm on the rebound that's what a people say. I lost the only one I found who can make me feel this way. Yeah, and I'm lonely over you. Look out, baby, gonna change your ways. You've done something to me that's driving me crazy. Gonna get up for you one of these days, cause I'm lonely. 
I'm on the rebound Yes, I've lost my touch You're the only one for me And I love you much too much Yes, I'm lonely Oh, you You ought to be ashamed of yourself For treating me this way Don't know what it's all I'll be glad when you're alone Yeah And you'll be on the rebound I'm waiting for that day You lose the only one you found Who can make you feel this way Then you'll be His name is Lealuco Orlando, but they call him the Walking Corpse. He travels in armor-plated cars surrounded by 12 gun-toting bodyguards. The whereabouts of his wife and children is secret. Every picture of them has been destroyed for their own protection. Not even his bodyguards know his schedule or in which military barracks he plans to sleep that night. A song that is clearly about moving on from a failed romance. But when you know that the guy killed himself, it takes on a different connotation. And while that was playing, I actually decided to use my one lifeline. I have one lifeline that I allow myself that I don't always use. And just so you know, they don't pile up. Like if I don't use my one lifeline per episode to look something up, I don't get to use that later. It goes away. So, and I don't always use it even then. 
but sometimes I do feel the need, and I guess in this case, I felt the need to know how Ray Smith decided to move along. And he did it with a handgun, the modern method. Just the quick modern method, the handgun. But I mean, you hear about suicides where people like electrocute themselves. People go to great lengths. But the handgun is just always like, I want out. I want out. I guess I better move along. And the decision is just a very quick process, I guess, in that case. I don't know. Let's not dwell too much there. I only have so much light that I can make out of that subject. But yeah, obviously an excellent performer, an Elvis-inspired voice, but not just trying to do an Elvis sort of routine. I'd say that, yeah, he pretty much perfected the style of that era there. Ray Smith. So we're nearing the end of the episode. We're going to play a song here by Marvin Owens and the Marv Ayers. Kind of a narcissistic move to name your group, to name your backing group, the Marv Ayers. His name is Marvin, and he named his group the Marv Ayers. M-A-R-V-A-I-R-E-S. The Marv Ayers. Oh, your uncle was in a band? What band was your uncle in? Oh, he was in the Marv Ayers. Who's in the Mavers? What are you saying? What are you saying? The Mavers? What's a Maver? The Mavers. He was in the Mavers. What in the heck are you even saying? I've never even heard of this band. Marvin Owens and the Mavers. And the song is called All or Nothing. All or Nothing. Turns out sometimes those are the same thing. All and nothing. All and nothing are the actual options. Good title, though. All or nothing. Marvin Owens and the Marvers all for nothing. (laughs) Sorry, all or nothing. Not all for nothing. All or nothing.
another guy Before the lane second fiddle I'd rather die To know another's kissing The lips I thought of mine I don't want you at all If I can have you on here to the end of the episode always a very sad time actually a happy time it always feels really good to end an episode always feels good to be done but yet there's another one to do there's more to come we're going to close out here with a great one by a fellow named rusty draper d-r-a-p-e-r rusty draper Sounds like a guy who's up to no good. Oh, it's that rusty draper. Oh, oh God, like somebody uh, somebody put a dead possum in our trash can again last night. I bet it was that rusty draper. Oh, oh, she went out last night, and she didn't come home till 11 p.m., and I just know she was out with that rusty draper, you know? That's the kind of name rusty draper is. But he's a deep thinker. He's a deeper thinker than you would expect from a draper. A deeper thinker than you than you'd expect from a Draper. We call him Deep Draper. Oh, you mean oh, Rusty Draper? Oh, I, I I always knew him as Deep Draper. Back in the neighborhood, we knew him as Deep Draper. And he's got a song here called Ten Thousand Years Ago." And he's talking about reincarnation. He's talking about you know past life experiences. He's talking about past empires. He's preoccupied with Egypt. He deeply identifies himself with Egypt. And he asks at the very beginning, he opens this song with the wonderful lyrics, Was I Alive 10,000 Years Ago? Imagine writing a pop song based on this premise. Opening up a pop song in simpler times with Was I Alive 10,000 Years Ago? Unlike some songs that ask questions, I think we can answer this without ever having heard it. And the answer is yes. Rusty Draper was alive 10,000 years ago. So was I, and so were you. What's interesting, though, is he, he goes into King Tut's tomb, and he says he doesn't see an Egyptian. He sees himself. So he's King Tut. And there's a lyric, too, about how the hier- hieroglyphics tell his story of woe. Pretty powerful. The hieroglyphics that archaeologists have discovered in ancient Egypt tell Rusty Draper's story of woe during the time in which he was actually inhabiting the body of King Tut. That is the funny thing about past life experiences, even just the idea of reincarnation, although that system has been explained fairly well by the belief systems that actually follow it. But past life experiences, 
you'll often hear people think that they were a king. They were somebody famous. They were somebody well-known. But, you know, statistical probability would tell you that some of the time they would be. Some of the time you your past lives are famous people or they are notable figures. I believe Rusty Draper, though. This song has a certain conviction to it, a lot of sweetener. The song starts out with this just sweeping orchestral music, sharp, sharp and sweeping. But yeah, just a great way to end this episode, going far back, going deep with Deep Draper, 10,000 years ago. And then he closes the song out with a great lyric to pay attention to as well, which is, will, be, will I be alive 10,000 years from now? So he starts out asking, was I alive 10,000 years ago? And will I be alive 10,000 years from now is his parting question. And he's alive right now. So he's implying that he's alive every 10,000 years. Every 10,000 years, he inhabits another body. I'd be curious what happens in the in-between, what happens in the interim. If he doesn't inhabit anybody in the interim, where is he? Maybe you'll have an idea after you hear this song. Another Every Night's a School Night closing out. A lot of, launched, launched a lot of ships here today. We fired off some artillery. The war continues. Purgatory is rising up. Purgatory is now its own faction in the war between heaven and hell. It's not simply the recruitment pool for heaven and hell. Purgatory is now a faction in its own right. And let me tell you, purgatory has been getting pretty strong. People have downplayed purgatory. They've downplayed the power that purgatory has. And I can tell you that purgatory's been getting pretty strong, and I myself have been making an effort. All-out war. We're going to at least make a statement. Purgatory is at least going to make its presence known. That it is its own place. It's not just a hallway between the two extremes. And there is a tranquility to purgatory when we're not launching rockets, when we're not launching psychic rockets and sending a message to heaven and hell. We're just hanging out. Purgatory is pretty tranquil. And the longer you're there, the more comfortable you become with the idea of waiting. Went on a 
an expedition down to King Tut's tomb. And there I saw an Egyptian cat lying in a big stone room. When I unwrapped that mummy, was I surprised to see he didn't look like no Egyptian. He looked exactly like me. Was I a liar? Ten thousand years ago, did I reside in Egypt? I decided I'd like to know. Did I have a ball with sweet Delilah? Did she cut away my curls? I know it could have been me, all right, by the way that I did girls. Oh, me. Oh, my. On the walls, the hieroglyphics, they told my tale of woe. Did I carve them into the earth and stone many, many years ago? Now my friends have seen that mummy, and all of them agree. He didn't look like no Egyptian. He looked exactly like him. He was alive. And throw me to the crocodile Oh, me, oh, my Oh, I'd like to know If I was really, really living Ten thousand years ago Oh, me, oh, my When I take my exit bar Do you think I'll come alive again Ten thousand years from now Do you think I'll come alive again Ten thousand years from now This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free So take my hand and walk this land with me And walk this lovely land with me Though I am just a man When you are by my side With the help of God I know I can be strong Oh 
Come on. 